Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. Today we are lucky enough to have Pastor Aaron Dowds to speak with us. Hope you enjoy. Got so many creative skills and gifts and abilities. And so much so that God goes to amazing lengths to remind you how much he loves you and cares for you. Even Justine being here this morning was not man's choice. Although in one sense, the photographer Justine that came today was man's choice. Really, it was God's choice. And Justine's here by no accident today. And God wants to remind you, Justine, just how much he loves you and cares for you and cares for your family. And he wants to remind you today not to be anxious or worried about your children. But God, your father, who created you and created your children, loves your children. And he just wants to encourage you today to trust him. He's their shepherd. He will take care of them. He will look after them. Don't be worried about their future. Don't worry what what will come of them. Because God loves your children. And he's going to take care of them. They're going to grow up. And I believe they're going to be successful and healthy. And just trust him. And that's a message to us all. But uh, particularly for Justine this morning. So I'm not going to be distracted this morning. This morning, I'm talking on the transforming river. The transforming river. And Immaculate Elabagiza, as you can see on here, she was born and raised in a small village in Rwanda, Africa. She enjoyed a peaceful childhood with her loving parents and three brothers. Education was very important in her household, so it was no surprise that she did well in school. She went on to the National University of Rwanda to study electrical and mechanical engineering. It was while she was home for school on Easter break in 1994, that's not that far far away, is it? 1994, that Immaculate's life was transformed forever. On April the 6th of that year, the Rwandan president's plane was shot down over the capital city of Kigali. The assassination of the Hutu president sparked months of massacres of Tutsi tribe members throughout the whole country. They reckoned one million people were slaughtered in three-month periods. Not even small rural communities like Immaculate's were were spared from the house-by-house slaughtering of men women and children and therefore to protect his only daughter from rape and murder Immaculate's father told her to run to a local pastor's house for protection he was a pastor of the other tribe that was killing and so by taking in them he was putting his own life in great danger and risk but the pastor quickly sheltered Immaculate and seven other women in a hidden three by four foot bathroom Three foot by four foot, he had seven women. Seven. Unbelievable. For the next 91 days. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in alone in a bathroom that size for 91 days? Can you imagine 91 days in a bathroom with seven others? Immaculate and the other women huddled silently in a small room while the genocide raged outside the door. They could hear it with their very ears throughout the home and throughout the country. And Immaculate describes in her book up there and the videos that you can see on on YouTube that she was angry. Of course you would be. She was eaten up and consumed with this anger and for this desire for revenge as she was hiding in the bathroom. 
But then God, she felt, started to communicate to her, started to talk to her within that bathroom, in that 91-day period, during the genocide in Rwanda. He started to speak to her and challenge her, and her life was forever changed in that moment. And it was that decision in that bathroom during the genocide that led later to Immaculate to be able to visit the man who murdered her father, her mother, her two brothers. She, she was able to visit him in prison to tell him that she forgave him. Unbelievable. She was filled, she flowed, and she found. She was filled, she flowed, and she found the lowest and the darkest place. And we're going to hear from her a little bit later. So the transforming liver, river, not liver, some need a transformed liver. <laughs> but God promised to Abraham in Genesis 26, verse 4, oh, I've got water here, that's wonderful. Genesis 26, 4, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You see, all Christians and the Christian church, we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. And God plans to use us, his church, to do what? To bless the nations. God's heart, his love is so great and so strong that he wants to bless the peoples of the earth, the nations, every people group, and he wants to use the church to do it. That's you and I. He wants to use you to bless the nations. He wants to use you to bless the people groups of the earth. And today we're going to look at this passage that Aaron read out that reveals what God desires to do in the earth today. And three words sum it up. If I was to sum up my message in three words, it's fill, flow, find. To fill, to flow, and to find. God desires to fill his church full. God desires his church to flow and move and be on the move and be flowing somewhere. He's not designed it to be stagnant, to stay still, and God desires his church to find the lowest place, the lost. Fill, flow, find. That's the message for today. In the history of Israel in 586 BC, Judah, the two southern tribes of, the, um, of Benjamin and Judah called Judah, it fell to the Babylonians, a tremendous world power under King Nebuchadnezzar. The city of Jerusalem, the beloved city, it was burned. The temple was destroyed. And most of the, the people of Judah were deported. That means they were expelled from their country for political or punitive reasons. They were deported to Babylon, which was a 900-mile journey east of Jerusalem. Ezekiel, he was a prophet during this time from the 6th century B.C., when God's people were deported to Babylon. Pete mentioned last week that Daniel, he was one of the young wise men that was deported to Babylon during this period. But Ezekiel was also exiled or deported to Babylon at about the age of 25. And he spoke to a community that had been forced from its home, to a people who had not remained faithful and loyal to their gods. 
And in Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel is given a vision of a temple. It started back in chapter 40. There's seven chapters of it. And it's unbelievably complex. And it's not easy reading, I'll have to admit. It's very difficult to interpret. And every biblical interpreter will uh, acknowledge and, and, uh, and, and say that. But we're going to focus on chapter 47. Because Ezekiel, he was given a cinematic or a virtual tour of what God was longing to do for his people. Ezekiel was speaking to a people that were completely demoralized. They were 900 miles east from their beloved homeland, 900 miles away from Jerusalem, 900 miles away. They were demoralized, depressed, disillusioned. Their temple had been burned, their city had been destroyed, and they were at the lowest point of their life, like Immaculate was in that bathroom for 91 days. Chapter 47 gives the end of the vision of the temple, which started in chapter 40. Um, so remember the context. Jerusalem and its temple are destroyed. But Ezekiel received this picture of a prophetic temple, a future temple that was going to be rebuilt, a house of the Lord that has, funnily enough, it's never been rebuilt to this day. He was given a, a vision and a picture of a temple that's never been built physically, not with bricks and mortar, but we believe it has been built spiritually. Aaron read chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. What is the temple a picture of? Well, we see that this prophecy was fulfilled in the New Testament because Jesus himself tells us what the temple is. The temple is you and I. The temple is made out of living stones, 1 Peter 2, 5, 1 Peter 2, 5, and you are living temple, uh, stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So it's not a physical temple he's building, it's a spiritual temple, and it's made up of bricks, and the bricks are the people, and the people are true believers, and so you are the bricks in the new spiritual temple. You are a living stone. Stones aren't living. It's a picture of you and I. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? All of you together are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple. For God's temple is holy. And what is the temple? You are that temple. Stick with me. Some of you are looking terribly confused. That's okay. John 2, 19 to 21. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So the temple, Jesus told us, is him and his believers, Jesus' body, with him as the head. He gave us this picture of the church, Jesus is the head, his body for, uh, is um, the new temple. What was the temple in the Old Testament? Well, we see the temple was a place of worship, and this is important. The temple in the Old Testament, it was a place of worship. 
especially the temple of Solomon. It was built in Jerusalem for national worship of their God. And the word temple in the Old Testament means the house of Yahweh or the house of God because he was said to dwell there. God dwells in his temple. We are the spiritual temple that Ezekiel looked forward to. God dwells among you and I, his church on the earth today, and he desires to bless the nations of the earth through that church. So Ezekiel 47 tells us that the temple must be rebuilt before the water can flow. So before the water flows, there's a building takes place and the temple is rebuilt. He sees the temple being rebuilt and when it's rebuilt, renewal begins to bubble up. Renewal, renewal begins to bubble up because renewal comes out of the place where people meet with God in worship. Renewal begins at the place of worship. It begins renewal in your own personal life and in our corporate life and therefore in the life where the river flows, the effects of, of that life begin when people engage God face to face. It's as we engage with God, as we meet with God, as we begin to understand what He's truly like, as the knowledge of God moves from the head to the heart, and we know that God is love. And I could read a book all about my wife. I could read a big book from her father that tells me all about her, how beautiful she is, what her interests are. And I could read that book and study it, but still not know my wife. Because to know is to have a relationship. It's to experience. And that's what happens in worship, that our knowledge of God that God, some distant being, loves me, becomes a conviction. I am loved. I am loved. He loves my children. And it's okay, because I do worry about my children. But it's okay. I can trust him, because he's good. And he says if we ask, he will answer. And it's out of this place of worship that spring begins to bubble up. Because if you want renewal in your life, let me encourage you, become a worshiper who knows how to meet with God face to face. If you want renewal, if you want to be an agent of renewal, if you want to be part of the river that brings transformation, if you want to be a, someone that brings hope where there is hope, light where there is darkness, be a worshiper of God. Be someone who knows God, because it's as you know God, as you worship God, as you experience God, then you begin to become like Him. Then He puts His desires and makes them your desires. He gives you the desires of your heart, and then He gives you the desires of your heart. So He places them in, and then He meets them in the place of worship. So it's passionate worshipers of God. It's all good and very well to want to change the world, but if it's not from the motive of an internal motive, we get tired, get worn out, be disillusioned, and we, we, we see that. We get compassion fatigue. God never gets compassion fatigue. If you've got compassion fatigue, 
It's your own compassion. God's compassion, he's unchanging. His compassion never dies. It never wears out, but ours does. So if your compassion is fatigued, then we need a fresh dunk in the river. <laughs> a fresh Dunkin' Donut. A fresh baptism. A fresh immersion. A fresh revelation of the love of the Father. So Ezekiel, he's given a picture of a new house for God. Ezekiel's temple is a picture of the church. But why would the temple fill with water? Why would, it, why would the temple fill with water? Well, Jesus tells us again. To the woman at the well, he says, John 4, 14. John 4, verse 14. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, the temple is filled with water because it's a spiritual temple made up of living stones, made up of you and I, and each living stone is filled with an internal spring of water. So when it comes together, the temple fills with water. Because the water, as Jesus teach, taught us, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So the water is the Holy Spirit that fills the temple, you and I, the church, and to, to those who drink of the water that Jesus gives. But it's first our responsibility to drink of the water. It's our responsibility to be thirsty. It's our responsibility to come. It's our responsibility to drink. And Jesus offers the Spirit, but we must make ourselves available and, and, and uh, come to Him because the thirst that is inside you cannot be met anywhere other than in the living water that Jesus gives. And that was the whole message to the women at the well. And in John 7, 37 to 39, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. How do you know if you're thirsty? You're dissatisfied. You're just, you're just dissatisfied. You're just not content. You're restless and you're looking and you're searching and there's a restlessness inside us. And as Augustine said, our souls are restless until they find our rest in him. To see that our greatest soul needs are met by him and in him alone, by the living water, by the Holy Spirit. And in fact, that's all you need. You can have nothing you can be in a bathroom for 91 days with genocide all around you and come to realize that he alone is all I need. He alone is the one I need. Everything can be taken away from me. Everything can be stripped away from me. But my fulfillment, my purpose, my life doesn't uh, depend on these things. It depends on the living water which can never be taken away from you. If you're persecuted, if you're in a prison, if you are facing martyrdom, you can still know, yes, your body can be in pain. You know that pain will end. You know that he will, uh, you know that he's in control, but you know that he can still be with you in your darkest place. Whoever believes in me, if anyone thirsts, let him come. If anyone thirsts, there's the thing. People are thirsty, but they're, they're going to the wrong taps. You're going to the taps and trying to put to dry, try to, there's only one living water that satisfies your thirst. 
It's the living water that Jesus Christ is spirit. That's the only, but you see, you must come to him. He says, and drink and learn. And ask someone, if you don't know what on earth I'm talking about, you need to get hold of someone and say, what on earth is he talking about? It sounds decent, but I've not got a clue. How do I get that? I want that water. That sounds really good. I wish it was as easy as just lifting up this bottle and drinking. But it's it seems a wee bit abstract of a concept to drink of living water. Get a hold of a Christian that you're pals and neighbors with and just say, what, what's he talking about? How do I get that living water? I need that living water. Could you help me find that living water? Could you pray for me to get that spirit? Could you pray that I get baptized in this spirit? Could you pray that I receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Can you help me? Because my soul is restless, because I'm dissatisfied, and everything I drink from doesn't seem to fulfill the longing in my soul. Out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of the heart of those who come to Jesus and drink of the Holy Spirit, he gives, will flow rivers of living water, rivers of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that God wants rivers to flow from you? A living stone with rivers to flow from you. And that means anyone who comes into contact with you, there's a river, they're like, whoa. <laughs> Not physically, but spiritually, they're going, there's something, there's something about being in that person's presence because I want to be in their presence because there's something good. There's some good karma, they might say. There might, there's some good, they don't know what it is, they just know there's something decent about being around that person because when I'm around that person, I experience something different. I experience something. I don't know what it is. They've got something about them that when I'm with them, I want to be like them. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the first point, be filled. Drink of the water that Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. Thirst after his living water. Jesus tells us that, that water is his Holy Spirit. So we must be filled as a church. We must be a church that remains thirsty. We must be a church that comes to him. Not meetings, not peer, but first and foremost come to him. And we must be a church that drinks. A church that believes, that has faith. That's all in that verse. And a church that is filled with his spirit. So filled that out of their true inner being will flow rivers of living water. So Ezekiel gets a vision of a temple. Jesus tells us the temple is his body. He is the head, we are his body. This is the new temple. And he sees a stream flowing from the te temple. The key word is flowing, flowing. Because he didn't see a temple that was filled like a swimming pool. He didn't see a bog or a marsh with stagnant water, but he saw a stream that was flowing away, away from the temple. There was something, there was a movement away and it was going east. So Jesus tells us his church will have a spring of water within them. Now, a spring is just any natural situation where water flows. It's a flow. The key word is flow. It's movement. It's traveling. It's going somewhere. It's not remaining still. And isn't that exciting about the Christian life? That's what the Spirit, the Spirit blows. It's a wind. The picture of the Spirit is a breath. It's moving. And we have to follow the Spirit. And we have to move with God you see, God's not one that remains still, and our life sh shouldn't remain still either, because Jesus gives us this picture with a flow of water 
flow of uh, rivers of living water. You see, Jesus intended his church to be a church that moves. It flows. And Ezekiel tells us that it should move east. And we're going to see what that means later. But the first point, God desires to fill his church. Fill, first one. God desires to fill his church. Fill, second. God desires his church to flow, to move. Fill, to flow. And to be going somewhere. So Ezekiel saw a temple in the future. It was going to be filled with water. We are that temple. We are living stones. And each of us has a river gushing out of our lives. Each stone is gushing. But what does the water bring? It's unbelievable the effects of the water because they bring life, vitality, transformation to the desert. Transformation to the desert. You see, God wants to fill his temple, but he also, God wants to flow from what he fills. He wants to fill you, but he wants to flow from what he fills. He wants to move. Verse 8 of Ezekiel tells us that the river flows east. You see, the picture of the east in the Bible, no Testament, is a place where the lost people live. What's the east? The east is where the lost people live. In the time of Solomon and in the time of Jesus, the temple, Solomon's temple, faced west. Zerubbabel's temple and Herod's temple, which were uh, kind of um, extensions of the original temple, if you like, they all faced west, but Ezekiel's temple faced east. It faced a different direction. And this is a picture of the church that you and I, with Jesus as our head, were turned. Our direction of travel has turned. Our flow has turned. Our face has turned towards the east, which is where the lost people is. It's where God wants to impact. It's where God wants to transform. It's where God wants to flow. It's where God wants to move. He wants to go east because these are his children that are living in the east. And he's wanting the river to come. And he's wanting it to go to the desert. And he's wanting it to transform the desert. The found, that was God's people. The found, you see, they lived in the west. And the lost lived in the east. The east in biblical times always represented lostness and darkness. Lostness and darkness and death. And that was the direction the temple would be facing. So the river flows east and we see where that river is flowing. And geographically, where that river is flowing in Ezekiel's vision, geographically is the lowest and deadest place on the earth. It's called the Dead Sea. It's the lowest place geographically on the earth, and it's the deadest place. And guess what? That's exactly where the river is hidden. Verse 8 tells us it's flowing east, and it tells us it goes down to the Araba. Now, in Hebrew, that means the Great Depression. The river is flowing down to the Great Depression. So I'm going to summarize. Phil. God wants to fill what is offered to him. When the body of God comes to worship him, God fills his church. He wants you to be filled. Flow. God will flow from whatever he fills and find 
the flow will head towards and find the lowest place. You see, in the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd flows to the lowest place. What does the shepherd do? The shepherd flows to the lowest place. The shepherd goes to find the lost. You see, the shepherd leaves. There's the movement. The shepherd leaves. He's flowing. He's moving. The shepherd goes after. The shepherd's moving. It's flowing. The shepherd is searching until there's the move, there's the flow, until he finds what? Until he finds the Araba, the Great Depression, the lost, the broken, the needy, the lost sheep. And those filled with the heart of the good shepherd will flow in the direction of the good shepherd. Those that are worshiping the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, become like the shepherd. And he gives us the desires of his heart. And the desires for his heart is for his children to come home. His lost children. His children that are not yet found. He's searching and longing. And that is the desire that God wants to put in our heart. That we worship God. And we are transformed and become like God. And we're filled and the spring flows. And the spring wants us to move in the direction of east. And in Ezekiel's vision, as you go down the river, it starts his ankle deep. Then the river becomes knee deep. Then it becomes up to the waist. And then it becomes a river that could not be crossed because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. And then Ezekiel's taken out of the river into the banks and he sees his trees and their fruit never fail. It produces fruit every month. And their leaves are for the healing of the nations. Beautiful picture. And these trees are pres- represent provision and healing. So fruit, provision, leaves for the healing. And it's telling us that once you get into the river, once you lose your control, there's provision for the direction that he's calling you to. There's healing in the direction that he's calling you to. He's with you. When you lose the control, when you move from ankle, because in ankle deep you're in control, the river's not moving you. When you're knee deep, you're still in control. When you're waist, you're starting to lose your control a little bit and the river's wanting to take you, but it's not until you get out of your depth. You lose control. You get in the river and you say, okay, God, I'm just going to go where you're calling me, where you're leading, where your spirit, I'm just going to follow your spirit, where you're taking me, where you're moving me. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lose my feet. Get in the river of where you're wanting to take me to, the purpose of where you're calling us and leading us individually and together as a church. And there on the banks of that river, it's once you lose the control that the provision and the healing starts to come. But many people stop in the river. Many people enjoy the healing, the provision of God, but have not yet let go. Because if you're still ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep, in one sense, without even knowing it, we can be resisting the flow of the Spirit towards the rabbi, towards the Great Depression, towards the East, towards the lost, which is where the great river flows. And the great river wants to take you with it. He wants to take you with it if you'll get into the depths of the river. But you see, in verse 11, we've got this terrible verse. It says, the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Because a swamp or a marsh is inundated with water temporarily. 
but then the water, so the water comes in, but then the water goes back, and there's left this pool of stagnant water. It's left swampy and marshy. And you see, if we camp at yesterday, if we camp at what God was doing yesterday, and if we don't move with what God is doing today and where God has taken us to the future, if we resist the flow of the river, we can become as an individual or as a church, as does happen, and there are many churches that close their doors, we can become irrelevant, we can become like the swamp and the marsh, and you'll see there's not much life in the swamps. Because we need to be interested in where God is taking us. We need to be interested in where God is doing. What is God taking? What is on God's heart? Where is he moving? Where is he flowing? We need to be concerned with the direction of the river, where it is going, and not where it has come from. We need to get into the river and flow and stay in the river and, and be led by the river into the Araba. So how does God... Revive Scotland. He revives Scotland by filling up his temple. He pours out his spirit. Send revival, God, but start with me. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. How thirsty am I? Am I coming? Am I drinking? Am I being stirred? Am I concerned? What are my compassion levels? Have I got compassion fatigue with the lost? Ah, well, God's just going to win them anyway. God will send somebody. You know, have we got compassion fatigue with our nation? I've tried that in the past, and they're not interested. So God's going to send somebody else because I've, I've, I've failed it. I'm not very good at it. But all we're called to do is love people. And actually, it's not that difficult to love people when you've got the heart of love inside you. The temple is a place for worshiping Yahweh. It's a place of praise, prayer, and sacrifice. You see, the river flows by the great altar, the place of sacrifice. And for the river to flow through us, there needs to be a sacrifice. Jesus said, we must take up our cross daily. There's a death. There's a sacrifice. There's something let us offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, pleasing. There's something that needs to die. There's something that we need to give up. There's something we need to uh, give to God to allow him to move. See, the temple is a place of meeting God face to face in worship, where the water, his spirit, fills the temple and springs bubble up. He fills his church with water. He floods his church with his spirit. Then the streams flow in the direction of the east towards the lost and it always finds the lowest places. See, the lowest place is where the river is heading. And when it gets there, what happens? We're going to watch this video now and bring this to a close. Complete transformation. The salty waters of the Dead Sea become fresh and pure. Scotland is a Dead Sea, people. It's an unreached people group. Statistically, our nation is an unreached people group. It's a dead sea. It needs a stream of living water that is going to be flowing. And the hope of Jesus Christ for this nation, guess what? Is you and I. 
It's us. It's his church for multiplication, for reproduction, to invade the deserts and the, and the salts and the swamps and the dead places and the Great Depression. Wherever the water flows, it brings dead things back to life. Our men are dead. Our men are dead. They were born with purpose. They were born to make a difference. They were born to be agents of change. They were born to be great fathers. They were born to be great husbands. But they're dead. But there's a river that wants to bring that which is dead back to life. The dead sea waters become fresh. Fish will abound. There's this beautiful verse in the New Living Translation. It says, life will flourish wherever this water flows. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. The shores are covered with nets drying in the sun. Look at the pictures. What are the nets? Jesus says, cast your net on the other side and you'll have a big catch. The nets are used for catching fish. He says, come, I'm going to teach you to be fishers of men. So the nets are drying in the sun because they're used because there's lots of fish being brought in. The shores are covered with nets. Fish of every kind fill the Dead Sea. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Where the river flows, fish abound. The lost abound because they're found and brought home into the Father's house. Wherever the water flows, life will flourish. So to close, fill. God wants to fill what is offered to him. Flow. God will flow from whatever he fills. And find. God wants to find the lost, pla the lost place through you and I, his church. So I started with Immaculate. 91 days in a three-by-four-foot bathroom with seven women. As she was in the bathroom, there was hundreds of the Tootsies looking for her by name. And they were going to this pastor and they could hear them outside. She could hear the slaughter. She could hear them in the house. On the radio, they could hear, saying, find the cockroaches. Children of cockroaches are cockroaches. Children of snakes are snakes. Find them and kill them was covering the government message across the radio waves in the Rwandan genocide. She could hear this. She was terrified. She's gripped with fear. She's in this bathroom. She can hear... Many men searching the house. They're up in the attic everywhere asking the pastor where she is. Terrified. 91 days. Unbelievable story. Let's listen to some of the words that God was teaching her through that lesson. And then at the end of this video, if the band could come up, we're going to close in worship. Thank you. Right. We cannot have hate and love in the same heart. We had to choose. It was that time when I saw it clear. Of course, I admire Mandela. I admire Mother Teresa. These are the people I think are strong, who did the right thing. And when I moved to their side, I was in a good company. It was like a huge luggage was lifted. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to spread peace. I wanted to say this is stronger. I wanted to move people from here and change their mind as I was changing to come on this side. It was then I felt this must be what they call forgiveness, the peace I'm feeling, the freedom to dream. If you read my book, Left to Tell, I started learning English when I was sitting in the bathroom. Because when the anger was gone, this force, this sickening force in my heart in my head and my mind was occupying my mind, when it was gone, I was left with a question. Now what do I do with my life since I'm not angry anymore? I had to learn English just in case I might have to find a job with people who speak English. 
I had to think about my future. How do I take care of myself? And the girls thought I was going crazy, but it was so clear. So funny, actually. The English I learned in the bathroom, I had to read a book in English. I asked the man to give me. And the dictionary English-French, using one word per word and going to check the meaning of it. And it's so funny, every phrase I memorized in that bathroom, three months later, I found myself sitting in an interview with United Nations, exactly being asked the same questions in English. What's your name? I'm like, I know that question. I already host in the bathroom. And it really, I mean, it's amazing how we can be prepared. But all that, it was really because the anger was out. We ended up staying in that bathroom for three months. The very first time I came out, I was hoping that maybe some members of my family are still hiding, as I was. But I found out everybody was killed. My mom was killed, my dad, my two brothers, my grandma, my grandpa, my neighbors, my schoolmates, my friends. It was like end of the world. A million people was killed in a period of three months. Rwanda is the size of Maryland state. You can cross the country in six, eight hours. Everywhere was dead bodies. And a part of me was calling me, die, crush. What do you do when you, you see this, when you have nobody? But there was a strength in me. I felt like God was holding my stomach and my chest and was reminding me, don't crush, don't die. I am with you. The journey of your loved ones is over here, but not over there. But yours is still here. And it is up to you how you choose to deal with it how you choose to use it. It might be one more year, one week, one day, 10 years, 50 years. But whatever that is, life is your gift, and it is up to you how you choose to use it. Either to love or to hate, to uplift or to bow down, to be kind or to be mean. If you choose love, I am with you. If you choose kindness, I am with you. And it is literally, I have learned how to just respect that voice. I will wake up in the refugee camp and start looking around. Somebody I can give help. Just in the case, that will be my last day. And that became the motivation of my life. I really think I live happier than when I thought I had everything. Because I don't know when it's going to end. Like again, that moment, it can be one more day for all of us. We take it for granted, but we don't know how long we live. But whatever life we have, we can choose to really live it joyfully, take advantage, do something good. So when you lay down at night, you can say, I have contributed. I have done something kind. I have helped somebody. That what gives me my joy. That what helps me to be alive and to hope that one day I can see my parents. I can meet my brothers again. And before I leave, I want to remind you, I know many times we speak to a group, and it is a group, but everyone is individual. And we all have our own experiences. We all have our own troubles, our own obstacles we face. Please, from my heart to yours, no matter what happens to you, remember there is always hope. Don't give up. Keep pressing. 
and love every minute of your life. It is your gift. It is up to you how you choose to use it. And lastly, if I can forgive, anybody can forgive. Thank you so much for having me. Come on, put your hands together for Immaculate. Let's have the band back up. Come on, let's stand to our feet, shall we? Stand to your feet. I will post a link to that full video. It's unbelievable, her story. Now, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's going to stop the river flowing into your life. It's going to stop the river of blessing. And I want to uh, let Immaculate be your example today. Number one, we need forgiven. We've all gone our own way. We've all done our own thing. We've not put God first in our life. But God's love is so great. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross that whoever believes in him would not perish. That means we'd not live apart from him forever, but we'd have eternal life, live forever with God. Jesus Christ died on the cross, and we need to put our faith in him. We need to ask him for his forgiveness, which he freely wants to give. And then we need to live and turn our life around from going in our own direction, doing my own thing, just not really bothered about what God uh, wants from my life. We need to turn it around completely and go in the opposite direction and say, God, I need you. I want you. I'm going to follow your ways. My way doesn't work. And that's what it is, people. Listen, see, I've tried Jesus. It doesn't work. <laughs> You've got to try Jesus for the rest of your life. You've got to give him the rest of your life. You've got to give him all your heart. It says, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And does that mean it will always go well? No, sometimes you may find yourself in a bathroom of suffering. Sometimes you might find yourself in a bathroom of disappointment and disencouragement and death and a rabbi and the Great Depression. But if you will trust him, you will trust him, you know, She heard one of the people that was looking for her put her hand on the door. And she just prayed, God, if you don't allow them to open that door, I, I just, I, I believe in you. And the man turned around and says to Pastor, you know what, it's okay, I trust you. And he never went in that bathroom door. Unbelievable. See, that's what God can do. He can do the impossible even when you're at your worst and there seems no way out when it seems impossible if you hang in she was hoping it would be over in one day and you're hoping your circumstances would change in one day you're hoping it would turn around sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's 10 20 30 50 but she didn't lose hope she learned what she needed for her future in the bathroom and in your bathroom of suffering and pain you can learn for what you need when you get out of the bathroom because god's going to get you out of the bathroom and suffering if you hang in there if you stay in long enough if you'll keep on trusting him if you will not give up he will teach you what you need for your calling and your purpose once you get out your bathroom of suffering because he will take you out of it he will take you out of it and if you will continue to trust him people i just want to say hang in there people trust him he's a good good loving father he's a good he's got a purpose and so today let's just close our eyes and everybody let's just repeat after me if you want jesus christ you want to give your life to him and become a christian and receive that living water to come and, and uh, refresh you and move through you. Just say this prayer. Dear Lord, everybody, nice and loudly together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. I come to you today. I need you. 
I've tried my own ways and it don't work. So I surrender today. Take my life. Forgive me for all my wrongdoing. Turn me around and use me. Help me to discover my destiny and purpose on this earth in Jesus' name. If you said that prayer, just every eye closed. If you said that prayer for the first time today, I want to give your life and have said that prayer and meant it and want Jesus to come and to follow him. Just put your hand nice and high. Anybody here this morning? Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Two, thank you very much. Wonderful. Anybody else? Thank you so much. God sees you. God sees you, hears you, hears your prayer. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Thank you so much. God, we thank you for these two people today. Lord, we pray that the river of your love would flow through them right now. Lord, you will take them from the bathroom of suffering and darkness and you're going to give them times of refreshing, Lord Jesus. We just pray, Lord, that your blessing, they would come to know you by your spirit and join the river of purpose and destiny to turn this nation around. We ask in Jesus' name. You said that prayer on the back table, there's gold bags. Please pick up a gold bag. If you've got the courage to come and say hello to me, please come and say hello. And I'd love to meet you. Or uh, just tell a friend, come here every week. Join the worshiping place. Join the worshiping temple. Join us. Uh, just keep coming faithful every single week. Let's just, um, just close in a song of worship. Father, we just pray, fill this church. Fill us up. Let us get in the flow. And let us find the place that you're leading us to in Jesus' name. Let's worship, George. Thank you.